Hey everybody, this is Drew here. You're about to listen to the first ever episode that we recorded of our podcast. Um, At this point, we did not even have a name for it. I believe it was recorded around April of 2018. So there's um, some stuff has obviously changed since then. Um, We're uploading it now a few months later. But uh, this was kind of the first iteration and the first idea that JP and I had of a podcast. So uh, here it is. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to uh, our first episode of this podcast. We don't even really have a title yet. Um, I'm Drew. And I'm JP. And we're so happy you're here with us. Basically, this uh, idea came from JP and I like to talk a lot about a lot of different things. Um, A lot of times relating to band, because we're both band directors. I teach in Lancaster. JP teaches in Malden, I thought he might finish that sentence, but he did not. Um, Sorry. But I'm doing my best. I got a stage fright. <laughs> got to jump in there. Um, but we're both band directors, and we have a lot of opinions. Um, and I will preface this by saying that I am fully aware that I am um, young and still have lots to learn. So all of these opinions that I say are take them with a grain of salt, you know, because... That's true. I'm only in my second year, and JP's only been teaching a year. But um, we're just going to jump in and talk about some stuff. Um, a few things that JP and I have talked about before. Um, the first thing I really want to talk to you about, JP, is why are so few bands going to CPA grade 6 in South Carolina? Um, I think this really kind of stems from and I actually wrote about this at school today and one of my professional development things I think it kind of stems from this competition aspect that we create in South Carolina that there's so much emphasis on physical awards and um, kind of that recognition and that aspect that will deter people from doing that and you know South Carolina has the outstanding performance award for the OPA um, and so, so many schools are trying to gun for that, that, um, you know, it's all inclusive. It includes like your marching band and all state and region band and, excuse me, and CPA. And so let's say you don't get a superior marching band, that makes it harder for you to get the outstanding performance award later. Um, so some people probably, you know, hold back some when it comes to CPA season, um, and so it's I, I want this I want this award, um, but I mean I I continually ask you know what is this award good for, um, to which uh, my head director will say it it looks really good for your school and to your principal and say here's this tangible thing that says we're doing a good job, uh, which I agree with, uh, 100%. But also, you know how do we expose our kids to good quality literature, while also achieving those things, you know. Yeah, and well, and I'll admit that I didn't even go to CPA this year, and I thought about it, and I don't know if I made the right decision there or not, but that's something that I decided not to do. Um, But I just, 
we should say that if you look at the people who, or if you look at the the schedules and the results, there are like fourteen or fifteen bands in South Carolina that went grade six, and I don't know oh. how out of that's off the top of my head. I haven't done those math in a while, so I haven't. That might not be totally correct, but it's it's a relatively small amount of bands, um, a small yeah. percentage of bands, and so I guess I just don't know if. If are we going to CPA, and should the judging reflect this? But are we going to CPA so that we can get a superior, and so that it does does go towards OPA, or are we going to CPA so that we can get feedback on the quality of our performance and say this is what we're doing every day in our band class? We want to know what these judges think about it. Or I guess, yeah, I guess they're still called judges, even though I mean yeah, because they're judging. Uh, we want to yeah. know what these judges think about it, and we want to get some feedback on it. And so if that's the case, if you're capable of playing grade six, and if you're capable of, of doing that, then why go grade five or grade four just because you want to make sure you get straight ones? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Because um, if the idea is to get feedback, you know, you go in grade six this year, and maybe, you know, like it's not incredible, but you're going to go in grade six, and they're going to give you some pointers and potentially some tips and tricks on how to improve your uh your growing grade six ensemble right you know and that's not to say too that every band should go grade six because i don't think they should obviously gosh right. obviously not every band should go grade six um and you want your kids to have a good experience and you want the judges to have a good experience but i think that there are a lot of groups who are shortchanging what they could be doing because they're worried they're not going to do as well at the festival. Yeah, I agree with that. So where is so is the issue then with band directors? Is the issue with SCBDA? And how do we encourage more people? If it's even an issue, you know, is this something that we think should be changed? And if it is, where is that issue? And how do we change that? Yeah, and I don't think necessarily OPA is an issue. I mean, even though I don't 100% agree with it, I still don't think OPA is inherently a bad thing. I think that maybe some not-so-great things come from it, but I don't think OPA in and of itself is bad. Um, I think that's true. No, yeah, I don't either. I think it's it's a cool thing, and it is it is a good way to say, we think these band directors, and more specifically these band programs, are doing really good things, and we want to acknowledge that. Yeah, and, you know... If you think about the band director side of it, how do you how do you teach grade six music? You know, because you know right now my top group is learning Molly on the Shore right. for the state concert festival, um, and it hasn't been going so hot. And honestly, we might go to the state concert festival, and I don't I don't know if they give out ratings or if you just play. I don't but know if they, either, to be honest. Yeah, I, I haven't been. Um, but let's say they do get ratings. Like we, I don't think we would get a one on Molly on the Shore. Um, and that it would also be great to hear about how we can improve this and we also get a little clinic section. But I'm I'm realizing that as much as I love grade six music, as I'm, sh- as I'm sure and hope that a lot of other band directors do, that it's not easy to teach. And so, you know, do you have to have a master's degree to teach grade six or what kind of things need to happen outside of the classroom to teach grade six music? Because sometimes it's some dense stuff. What are you like? What are some of the issues you're running into in teaching Molly on the Shore? Uh, Molly on the Shore, Granger has so many different themes and ideas that are constantly flowing. Um, 
you know, like, here's this theme, and now it's going to go away, but it's going to come back later. Or, you know, like, the clarinet solo is going the whole time. So, um, you know, what's important at which spot? Why is that important? Um, to which Granger, you know, um, is really good about being very specific with his dynamics, right. um, which, which is great. And I've also got a score that kind of helps you with that stuff, but also, like, teaching your kids to do that. Um, so on a band ensemble standpoint, like, balance and blend and recognizing which parts are important it's not a shift from one section to another um and then fundamentally you know maybe not all of my kids are able to play all of this stuff just yet so how do i teach the kids um to achieve this so that that way they can play it for this piece but also keep it in you know just their fundamental uh toolbox in general um but i mean granger if you think of some great things for me the granger isn't necessarily super difficult because um i mean a lot of a lot of like decent music that bands will play of his not saying that his music isn't decent um but uh, a, a lot of music granger like that jp yeah right excuse me <laughs> um but like molly on the shore is very tonal um there right. are a few accidentals and it's very easy but like let's say you want to play symphony and b flat uh symphony and b flat has countless themes and he's always using them and they're always like mesh with each other and right. sometimes it feels like they clash and how do you help kids make sense of that um it's just it's so much going on with that and how do you as a director like how how would i as a young director even begin to approach dissecting that piece yeah but i mean well we're doing um Australian upcountry tune right now, which is grade four, uh, but it's still a really big push for my kids right now. And even in that, it's so there's a lot more layers, and that's Granger, and it's not you know Symphony and B flat, but there are a lot of layers there. Yeah. And I, I'm finding that it is a little, they do have some trouble trying to navigate that. Um, and oh, what's important here? What do we need to bring out? And all that stuff. And that's just with you know Australian upcountry tune. Yeah. So do you think there's more musical issues there than there are? Um, like more technical than more sorry more musical issues and technical issues technical issues being like my kids can't physically play this right i think there's a decent amount of both and it really depends on the piece you know like holst you know just taking holst for example okay um my kids could play holst no problem i believe but could they make it phenomenal I don't know. They could get super close. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also when you think about Holst and CPA, everybody has their own interpretation of Holst. Right. Uh, so that's something that you got to be really careful about. Excuse me. Um, I think it. I think it definitely depends on on the piece that you choose. Yeah. So then, I forget what my original question was. Um, I guess the other thing I have to ask is that, you know, when it comes to picking music for CPA, what's more important then? Is it more important, like, I don't know, is it more important that you get a superior, or is it more important that you're exposing your kids to grade six music or grade, you know, whatever grade they're really good at, you know? Maybe I, I don't... This is just something that I've kind of taken up as a crusade of my own, and maybe I'm, 
I'm wrong because I know that there's good grade five music and there's good grade four music and grade three music and all that. But because yeah, of all just, the good music was grade six, you know, not everybody would play it. Do what? Said so if all the good music was grade six, you know, who would play it? Right. It just seems like we should have more than a handful of bands in South Carolina growing grade six, and I don't really understand why it's why that number is so small. Yeah. Let's do let's do some research. Let's send out a survey. Okay. And we're going say, to the phones now. If you're listening, why aren't call you guys us. playing grade six band music? Yeah. I I can't play grade six right now. You know, my kids can't play grade six, but I I see other bands that I think probably could and they're not, and I yeah. wonder if it's just because gotta get those straight ones. You know, yeah. can't come back well, also, without that superior with distinction. I mean, also, like, a lot of, uh, you know, some of the programs who play grade six have also just really great resources for them That's to true. do that. Like, you know, Wanda, like like you pointed out, um, at least go Wanda's second group is playing grade six. Yeah, but, that's crazy. And they both, so Wanda's top group went grade six masterworks. Wanda's second group went grade six. Both got straight ones. I think their third group went grade five or four just crazy stuff Anyways. and also straight ones and all three of them are playing at the state concert festival right but i mean that school also has resources where they can you know get lessons instructors and you know pull in people and you know constantly have kids getting individualized instruction which is such a big proponent of you know texas bands because we look at texas right. as kind of like this pinnacle of um, band, but right. I mean they they are able to have uh, great individualized instruction um, and essentially master classes from the time that they start their instrument that just helps a ton. Um, and you know my school is is doing well, um, but I know that we would do a ton better if more of our kids took lessons. But also if we were able to provide lessons at the school for our kids because you know some people especially nowadays don't want to go into somebody's house and right. do lessons there and, or they don't want to have them come over to their house so then where do you do it oh well you do it at the school sorry what, can't do that what percentage of your kids take lessons honestly like it's, it's got to be in the single digits yeah. actually like a decent amount of my fresh or not a decent amount um maybe a handful of my freshmen take lessons and I know a handful of my upperclassmen do, but I don't know about anybody in the in the sophomore or junior class who take lessons. And I know that's going to be one of my biggest focus or pushes going into next year is uh, scales, making sure that our kids graduate knowing how to play in all twelve keys, and then lessons that right. we get more for students taking lessons. Yeah. Why do you? How? I just. I just wonder why, um, I'm just thinking, in in a area like where you're at, where you have Furman so close by, and, and in Spartanburg too, which, I mean, you teach in Greenville, but Spartanburg has Converse and a bunch of private teachers around there, why aren't there more kids taking lessons? And is it just a, a money thing? Is it just a not wanting to go to somebody's house thing, you know? I think, because I, oh, a decent amount of our families definitely have the ability to provide lessons. Yeah. Uh, but I think that I, I know I personally don't do a great job of pushing lessons. 
And I mean, well, I, I don't also either. My first, I, I, like, it's also like, you know, our first couple of years out of college. Right. Um, and that's something that I think that I think about. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily see that really anywhere in our district is a huge push for lessons. They're like, we have people who are around and available. Um, but I, like, if I had to ask somebody to teach a lesson or like, yeah, if, if I needed to pick people for lessons, like teach lessons, I could tell you of a clarinet person I know could do it. Yeah. Maybe a percussion. Uh, yeah, no, I do know some percussionists. And that might be it. And, you know, when we were at school um, at USC, they were really good about um, sending out a list of people who were willing to give private lessons, you know, right. even from the school, and just send them to local schools. And I think that was such a great outreach that they did. And it makes me kind of want to ask our local universities, hey, like, who do you have that can teach lessons because I have kids? I would love to put them lessons. Yeah, because, well, and you know that I went down and spent a day down at Wando last year, and that's one thing that Bobby Lambert said, which is a lot of our kids take private lessons, but there are so many places across the state that have those same resources, maybe not monetarily, and I'm paraphrasing him, don't want to say that but I'm quoting Bobby from, from, you know, word by word, but... <laughs> There are a lot of places across the state that have the same resources, again, maybe not monetarily as Wando, but in regards to proximity to professionals who can come in and teach lessons um, or who can are nearby enough for kids to drive and take lessons, there, there are tons of schools that have that opportunity to recreate what Wando's doing with lessons. Yeah, and I, you know, I would argue that they are more, there is more opportunity in... Um, like in the Midlands and in the upstate to make that happen. We just don't yeah. take advantage of it. And like, do we know how to take advantage of it in the right way? And how do we have people come in and do that stuff the right way? Well, I think you just reach out and you say, hey, this is something I'm interested in. Or I have some kids who are interested in taking lessons. Uh, do you have anybody who's able to come in and teach? You know, And I think part of it is on us as band directors to say like, because I think if you ask any band director if you could pick one thing that you would really like to improve, most of them are going to say, "Man, I wish more of my kids took private lessons." You know, yeah. most ba all band directors understand the importance of private lessons. I don't think any band director is going to say, "I think I'm doing good on my own." You know, <laughs> right. no, no private teachers, please. But it's easy to get caught up in CPA and marching band and trying to get through day by day that you don't stop and think, oh, I should really have more of my kids take private lessons. Let me go ahead and start setting that up. Absolutely. Okay, so we fixed one problem of the world. <laughs> did we? We did, I think. All right, let's make a, a board somewhere. Problems that we have fixed so problem far. Problem solved. We, everybody's going grade six now because all okay. of the schools in South Carolina have private lesson teachers. We have solved the grade six problem. That's it. Um... The next thing uh, I wanted to ask you about, I just saw some list things that I've thought of, things that I saw in the band directors group on Facebook that I just wanted to get your opinion on. Um, okay, this is a quote. This is from the band directors group. Uh, what do you tell yourself at the end of a rehearsal where the kids were worse than last week and you couldn't get to any of the musical concepts you wanted to teach, 
because they're still stuck on notes and rhythms. I want to stay motivated, but after the bell rang, I just sat in my chair with my head down for a while trying to find the silver lining. Ever been there? What's your mantra for motivation? Hmm. You know, I feel like I had a similar experience to this on Monday. Um, both in the wood ensemble and in jazz band because we, we just had a concert on, on last night and so last night was Tuesday so the day before we had rehearsal and we played through Wally on the Shore and the the weekend or like the week before it was great we were playing it at about you know 160 or so and we were it was sounding good and the kids were handling it we come back in Monday and they can hardly play it at about 144 and so, you know, we all kind of acknowledged that that was bad. And we said that we would come back to it when we had time. Um, but I, I think the question was asking for, like, how do you how do you approach that? Kind of like, what's your motivation? Um, and I, one thing that really helps me and helps um, Adam out is we, is we talk with the kids. And we say, what, what did you think of that? Why do you think it went that way? Um, what specific things happened, what issues did you face? And then after after we say those things, it's, okay, well, how do we fix them? And how do we get better? So, um, for example, with Molly on the Shore, one is not doing super great. Um, part of the issue was just that certain sections couldn't keep up with the tempo on Monday. So we said, all right, well, let's slow it down and let's work our way back up, which helped a ton. Um, and then some sections still their parts are still a little bit more challenging. So moving into um, the state concert festival coming up, we're going to have some sectionals going on while other kids are doing some other things. But that's, um, we are fortunate at our school to have two directories so that right. one of us can be leading the whole class and the other one can pull out kids and do sectionals and work on stuff. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had those days though? Like, I feel like I can relate really strong to what this person is saying where because I feel like there have definitely been days when I say all right see you guys tomorrow and they walk out and I go that got no better like that is what we sight read it better than that you know and that can feel super discouraging I think and sometimes I don't know that the kids feel it but I I because my group is really young and so sometimes I, I feel like that nothing really sticks to them like they don't really acknowledge or understand like that wasn't very good it can be much better we need to fix that um, and so sometimes I get more discouraged I think than my kids do and that's really tough as a director for sure saying mm -hmm. you know am I not to get too cheesy or down or anything but like am I making a difference is it getting any better you know that kind of stuff yeah, so how do you approach that going into it the next week? Well, I, I think that's the question. I don't know. Do you think that if, like, let's say that were to happen, yeah. if you were to come in the next day and spend individual time with, you know, maybe a kid or with a section, right? do you think that that would be beneficial? Yeah, I think it would be. And Well, and that gets into the private lesson things again. But then the other thing yeah. is, you know, if... If I'm going to do that, um, and if I'm going to spend that individual time with one student or with one section, what are the rest of the kids doing? Sometimes what I like to do, because um, with, with our third group, um, with our third groups, we kind of split things this year to where we've had three groups. Right. Um, 
we, they were playing a piece that had some funky mixed meter stuff. Yeah. Um, What's the piece? It was called Call of the Wild. Oh, boy. By Brian Balmages, I believe. What a man. Yeah, it's a neat little piece, actually. Um, and they played it very well at the concert. Um, everybody was super impressed with them. Um, but the trombones weren't understanding their slide positions and how those slide positions went with the 4-4 four, four plus 3-4. Um, so I spent time with the trombones, and I told the other students. And this this was really difficult for this group because this group kind of lacks the maturity and discipline right. to work on their own. I said, hey, while I'm working with the trombones, I need you guys to work on this stuff. Now, in that particular setting, it wasn't super effective because, because of the maturity issues. Um, but when I started teaching um, Imaginarium by Randall Standridge to our second group, I saw beforehand that um, you know trombones are going to have some issues with this stuff. Trumpets will have something similar. Um, so what I did was I actually kept the trombones on the trumpets, and I sent the other sections into specific places. And I said, "You guys have ten minutes to work on this stuff, right. like you know the beginning to here." Um, and then after 10 minutes, we're going to come back and we're going to put it together. Um, and so I started with the trombones and trumpets. And then when I felt like I was good with them and I spent a little bit more time, I sent them away and I pulled out the flutes and clarinets and I was able to get some work done with them. Um, so so maybe, you know, you could structure your lesson time that way because I remember Dr. Gowan, my supervisor, told me, you know, your class doesn't always have to be you standing in front of all the kids all the time. Your class can be whatever you want it to be. Um, and I think that this really is the famed Andy Gowan. Yeah, the, the, the famed Doctor Andy Gowan. Guest conducting with the Wind Ensemble, by the way. Did you see that? No, I didn't. When is that concert? I think it's tomorrow. Oh, all right. Well, I guess we're gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Gowan uh, is guest. Doctor Layman is playing a um, playing a concerto, a new concerto. It's uh, Tim is playing a harpsichord. It's uh, their salute to Tim and Doctor Gowan. Doctor Weiss is conducting two pieces on the program. Wow, I really want to see that, actually. Yeah, that would be cool. What am I doing tomorrow? Oh, I have to teach lessons at Burns tomorrow. Man, somebody live share it for me. Um, but I think I think that would be a neat way to approach it, is to say, hey, uh, I'm going to work with these specific people. I need you guys to work with this thing. But it also requires your kids to be able to discipline themselves and get work done well it also um, requires a lot of planning because what you don't want to do is say all right i'm going to work with the clarinets right now trumpets why don't you guys go work on um oh boy what do we see you know like it that's something yeah. you got to figure out beforehand so you can just go like all right clarinets we're going to do this trumpets go over there you do that saxophones you're going to do this over here blah 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 if you need anything let me know if somebody's yeah. ble- bleeding go to the ner- like you got to have yeah. your stuff together. Yeah. Or you just talk slow enough to where when you're talking, you say, <laughs> okay, okay. You got... <laughs> Frantically you flipping your bandage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. There okay. we go. That's how you solve the, my kids can't play the music Just talk problem. slower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just talk you, slower and they'll get it. Who needs to plan when you can just talk slowly? <laughs> You can fill it, f- figure everything out in real time. Yeah, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, ratio of talking time versus playing time. But this <laughs> this new method right here. The number of words really is still quite small. <laughs> it's just the time. 
much more extended. Okay. I think that makes sense. It is easy, though, and I think we have to acknowledge that when you have bad days, it's easy to get down in your feelings, um, but you gotta keep pushing forward. Oh, absolutely. What do you do when you feel like you've had a bad day? I usually go home and drink. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, or, I don't know. That's when it's really nice to like be able to call you or call like Zeke and really talk it through and just be like, oh, I had such a bad day today. My kids were crazy. They didn't know what was going on. Um, and it's nice to just be able to to kind of vent a little bit um, yeah. and then just de-stress. Sometimes, too, it's I like to, that's when I like to maybe take a few steps back from music and go home and really watch Netflix and just hang out and not get so caught up in, um, in the band world. It's nice to take a step back from that. Yeah, I hear that. But I call then, my mom. Go ahead. Well, I, I think what you're saying is right, though, and I think that you're better at this, honestly, than I am, which is just, um, um, like, when you when you have a bad day, just jumping back in and going, all right, yeah, that was a bad rehearsal. What are we going to do to make it better? And not getting bogged down and not getting so um, caught up in the bad rehearsalness. Yeah, because if you beat yourself up, you're only going to make yourself the worse. And that's a waste of your energy and your time. Right. Yeah, you're right. And again, I think you're that's something that you're pretty good at. Like, yeah, that was bad. Let's make it better. Yeah. That's also, I mean, that's just taking years of just... It's, it's almost like Dr. Lane would say, you're going to lie to yourself long enough until you start to believe it. Um, and it's just taking years of lying to myself that, yeah, like that sucked, but it's going to be better before I finally started thinking and living that sucked. Let's make it better. He never told me that. Mm. We never made it. He, ne- he never sucked. That's right. Well, yeah, no, probably <laughs> it, it was I never made it far enough in my lessons where he felt like he needed to tell me that. He was like, uh, this isn't going to make any difference to Drew. <laughs> Uh, there are better things that we need to work on. <laughs> Me personally, whenever I feel like I've had a rough day of rehearsal or something, I call my mom just about every day after school. Yeah. Um, and we talk about anything, but she always asks, you know, how was your day? I was teaching. And so I'll tell her. Um, and if it's bad, I'm just like, yeah, like, it went bad because of this right here. Um, and this is how I feel like I'm going to handle it. Um, I'm almost a ton with my administrative issues, but with the band stuff. Um, she's always just super encouraging. She's like, yeah, I understand that that sucks, uh, but you got a good head on your shoulders, and I know you're going to make it work. And I'm like, thanks, Mom. What a good mom. And then I go home and work out and also drink. <laughs> but undo everything that I worked out. Right. Well, that's why you work out. Yeah. Well, I saw this motivational picture on Reddit. It said, exercising is not punishment for what you ate but a celebration of what you can do. And I think that's mm. changed my approach to working out. I mean, like, I haven't changed how I work out. Like, now I bench 500,000 pounds because, let's be honest, I am definitely not strong enough to bench much of anything. Do you um, ever do this? Do you work out on machines? Um, We don't have a ton of machines over at our complex. We have, like, two treadmills, two ellipticals. We have free weights, 
we have a bench, we have a pull-down bar, we have like a chest press kind of thing, yeah. and we have this tricep pull-down. I wish we had more stuff specifically for legs and abs and a, a different kind of pull-up machine, um, but it's also all like basically the size of my bedroom plus a little bit more. It's not a big space. I have a guilty confession to make. Sometimes when I work out, I will put the little pin like it's like really a high like we're really low weights and I'll work out and then I'll look around really quick and I'm like this is embarrassingly low amount of weight and then I'll move it back down before I leave so that <laughs> whoever comes in after me is like what <laughs> what a little wow. weakling that's my guilty <laughs> confession because I actually do think that sometimes like whenever I go to the it's like the tricep pull down machine but I I substitute because one of my free weight things that I do is kind of like a like like you're just pulling it up like you're holding them down and you pull them up to your chin but i have this machine that i can do it with and rather than do it with 15 pounds in each hand i do it with like 80 90 pounds in the machine and sometimes i come in and it's at 40 pounds so i'm like who was the child who that was, was me i did that <laughs> i was but, the person doing that. i feel bad because like i hate because i used to really dislike going to the gym for fear of being judged because I feel like people were always looking at me even if nobody was there somebody was looking at me yeah, you know I feel um, that's why but, I got a planet fitness judgment free zone it's right there it's on the it's little required. it's, it's on, on the, the keychain <laughs> uh, but so like recently this short little Asian girl she's got to be like 5'1 has been coming in and she'll come in and she'll like wear um, like a jacket and like her capris she'll get on the treadmill and let it go at like three miles an hour and walk with like, like her hands like either in front of her or behind her back she just has music going and she does that for like an hour and then she leaves and i'm so confused and this is the second day in a row i've seen her and like i feel bad because i'm like what are you doing but i'm like you know what like that used to be me not like exactly like that but like i would hate for people to like sing the same thing about me but i'm sure people see some things i'm doing and they're like what are you doing i know but then i also think like obviously I am not like you in this way because I don't look at anybody at the gym, but I feel like everybody's watching me. But then I go like, like you're not watching anybody. Like how many people are really at the gym going, Oh my God, what is he doing? Clearly one you, but outside of you, JP, who is really at the gym going like, what an idiot. What are you doing? Like nobody cares. Yeah. I feel like when you're in the gym, you actively avoid eye contact with us. Absolutely. It's like the elevator. Right. You're just like, nope, head down. Yeah, let me lift my weights. Let me yeah. run on the treadmill. Try not right. to make any contact. I actually watch um, a lot of like TV shows or Twitch or something when I'm at the gym. But I also got these wireless headphones that right. help a ton with that. So while I am running or I'm doing like push-ups or sit-ups and stuff, I can just have my phone sitting on the ground next to me and you know doing. Um, like I'm doing sit-ups, but I have my head turned, so maybe it's not great for my body, but I get to watch people play Fortnite. There you go. Let me ask you this. When you're running on the treadmill, do you ever start laughing out loud right beside somebody who doesn't have headphones, and you're like, oh, this person's just listening to me laugh? I do my best not to. Sometimes, like, uh, like you know, that br- breathing laugh that you do, you're like, <laughs> which I do. Like that. But... Yeah, exactly like that. But also it throws off my rhythm when I'm running. And so I try not to for fear of busting my head open on the treadmill. That's fair. I'm also, though, 
very self-conscious about my laugh. Kayla, my girlfriend Kayla, hates my laugh. She says that it just sounds like I'm saying ha 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 ha. <laughs> so that's made me very self-conscious about my laugh. That's super supportive. I, well, you know, that's Kayla. I mean, beyond that, I, I do believe she's supportive, but also, that's <laughs> hilarious. She, like, I'll laugh out loud all the time. She's be like, oh, I hate your laugh. So then I try to chuckle in different ways <laughs> to, to prove her wrong. He <laughs> ha 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 ho ho. I'm sure that goes over well. It's, yeah, it does. Okay, is there anything? Okay, the other thing I wanted to ask you. And you need to tell like, me the story from earlier. Do what? I said you need to tell me that story from earlier. You, you were talking about you cope. With bad days by going to the gym sometimes. No, I was talking about when you called me early and you were like, I'm going to tell you this thing now. And I said, why don't you say it for let's later? Let's end with that. Okay. I have one more question for you. How do we feel about practice logs slash how do we get kids to practice? I, I think practice or logs Or do we are... give up the fight and just say kids aren't going to practice. We have to do it all in class. Um, I think practice logs are good. If there is some way that you can actually prove that the kids practice, which this is where smart music comes into play. Smart music, you know, a proud partner of band programs across the world, not a sponsor yet. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, where they are, the kid has to play this thing and they have to play it right to get the right stuff. They submit it and then you see that they actually did that. But if we have issues with smart music where kids can just turn up their volume really loud and they can record it. Which I catch you every time. Please stop doing that. <laughs> or where smart music, the microphones just don't work, or they aren't calibrated the right way to pick up, you know, your oboes or your mallet instruments or your bassoons, and everything just sound is really weird. Um, so I think that's where that comes to play. But it gets hard when it has to be an individual practice log, where there is no proof that the kid actually practiced. Maybe they just wrote 30 minutes on each day right. and gave it to their mom to sign off, which I definitely did in middle school. I did too. Sorry, Miss um, Cooper, if you're listening. <laughs> you probably um, knew that, but I think we only had practice logs when I was in sixth grade, but I can't remember middle school all too well, honestly. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I personally am not a fan of practice logs, but I don't think all the practicing. You just said you were a fan of practice logs. It, if you do them the right way, like if you, if you Pick have a side, JP. Way, all right, I am on both sides. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. Well. <laughs> um. So, like, they are good if you can prove that kids are actually practicing, but if you can't, then it, it's just going to be a waste of your time. The kids are going to be lying. But, I mean, but also, like, there will be some kids who actually practice, and so is it beneficial for those kids? Yeah. Yes, definitely. So does that mean you should throw them out? Well, maybe not. Um, but I also don't believe that all the practicing has to be done inside of class, because, like, I tell the kids in my class, if I'm practicing for you, that is a waste of both of our times. Absolutely. We need to do more important things in class then I'm sitting here with you, teaching you how to practice this rhythm, which is triplet. It's a, it's a triplet, then four eighth notes, then another triplet, then four eighth notes. Like, there is no reason why as a senior in high school you cannot play that rhythm. So please learn that outside of class if you're struggling. Right. What, what percentage of kids, of your kids, do you think practice at, at um, home or outside of normal class time? I think more of my underclassmen in um, 
more of my underclassmen who are in the second group will practice. And some of my upperclassmen, especially the ones who take private lessons, will practice. Um, but the issues that my upperclassmen run into, and this is an issue that we just run into in 2018, is that kids are expected to have jobs and be involved in other sports and stuff. And so they, they and do a bunch of homework and take all these AP classes and, you know, become president and save the world and fly to Mars and all that all stuff. All of those things. In, in, a, in a single night. And so. Right. And then they get, uh, if they do all that, they'll qualify for a life scholarship. Maybe. 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 You get that $5,000 uh. scholarship. <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, where do I find time to practice my trumpet along that, along that other stuff? So I actually, you know, was talking to my kids about this yesterday um and so some of them were saying like yeah it's really hard for me to t- find time to practice because after after school i go to work and after work i go home and i do homework and then by then it's you know 11 and i can't really practice why don't kids space. think of practicing as homework because it is right like and you could think homework is like practicing for math you know or practicing for your english class so why don't kids think of practicing as homework i think it kind of goes with that tangible thing again like when i do my math homework i'm then turning in my math homework to my teacher so that my teacher can grade it which i mean technically we do indirectly and ban and you um, also have that thing of like here this is my math homework i am done with it but like when you practice you go my scales are a little bit better today i'm done practicing right so maybe we just need more playing tests yeah more pass offs more pass offs what do you well go ahead I, I can't remember what I was going to say, but I mean, kind of what I was saying earlier, you know, some of my kids don't practice, and to which I say, you know, like, you come in before school and practice, right. but, they, you know, they want to sleep because they've been up until one in the morning doing their homework. By the um, way, but then I, I, I did have some kids that admit, huh? By the way, me also wants to sleep, you know. That's Yeah, uh, me as a teacher, I also want to sleep, but I also have a lot less homework. That's true, um, too. Uh, but then, like, some Noticeably of my kids... Noticeably less homework than your high school students. <laughs> Um, some of my kids are like, yeah, I don't practice during the week, but I do take my instrument home over the weekends and practice over the weekends. And I'm like, that's great. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I think what I have to do next year and what I'm planning on doing next year is that each quarter a certain amount of scales will be due. And along with those scales, um, you know, uh, like at least one etude per scale. And you have to pass those off perfectly in order to get a hundred for that quarter. Um, so that way those kids will actually, you know, have to go home and do that and, Sure, they can wait until the end, um, and if they do, if they do that, I mean, they'll be scrambling, but they'll still have done it. What do you? What is your grading policy? Like, how many grades do you give per grading period or whatever? I have to give three major assignments and twelve minor assignments, including homework. If if I choose to do homework for the class. So, what do you usually do for those? Uh, right now, what we usually do is last semester we did a lot of scale stuff with smart music, and we did um, weekly grades. So you showed up, and you had all your materials, and you were prepared every single day. Um, and then also required events we count as a major grade, um, and then big playing tests. Like I had two or three big playing tests last semester. Um, and then this semester has been difficult because we've been get, getting ready for CPA for us to create those assignments. So it's mostly been weekly grades. But if I take my time off now that we're done with concert stuff, if I take my time off to prepare for next year, I can set it up so that even though we're preparing for CPA, 
they still have stuff they have to get done and turned into me so they are still individually getting better next year right that makes sense we have to have we are supposed to put in two grades per week into the grade book and so usually what i do is i have a participation grade that i put in and that's like well kind of like what you said like you have all your stuff you're in your seat ready to go on time you know all that stuff and then i have a i do a weekly playing quiz that is but we have google classroom and we don't have smart music we have we use google classroom and the kids have to record themselves playing a certain amount or a scale that we're working on or a set of scales or an excerpt from the concert music and they'll record themselves playing that and turn that in and my thinking behind that is like oh um if I have to play my G scale, then I'm going to make sure I practice my G scale, and then that's going to get better. But I'm finding out what usually happens is they come in, or they, you know, they record themselves and they play it, and they go, "Oh, well, that's it." Yeah. And if it's right, then it's right, and if it's not, then it's not. But they turned it in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I would have some kids who would do that with smart music. Like, all right, well, I played it. And some kids are like, oh no, I need to try and get it better. Right. Um, and I think we need to take, or what I'm going to try and do is take a very black and white approach. Is where, you like, you play it right. Like, you're going to play it at this tempo, and you're going to play it right. And if it's right, you'll get credit for it. And if it's wrong, you won't get credit for it. Um, right. But that well, but that's easy to do with like a scale or something. But like, if you start playing excerpts from concert music like how do you say okay well here's for like molly on the shore here's this part of molly on the shore play it how do you take something like that and say that's either right or wrong like are you saying okay all the notes are right well maybe they didn't get as loud as they needed to but all the notes are right or maybe they aren't you know how do you do that right i think you well i mean i mean either the notes are right or the notes are wrong Right, um, but I mean, like, and, are you just grading on accuracy of notes, or are you saying, like, like, are you taking musicality into effect? Are you, like, maybe they're well, playing all the right notes, but they're slurring it all, okay. and it's all staccato. Okay. Um, I think if there's a huge discrepancy like that, where it's all supposed to be slurred, but they're playing it all, or they're tonguing all of it, um, I think that right there is, like, a, no, you, like, you're not even reading the articulation as you need to address that. But, it, like, if it's a couple things... Um, like if it's okay, you should have slurred these eighth notes, like these two eighth notes, but you accidentally tongued them. Like that's the thing that I'll just address to you in class. I think it kind of varies on the situation, but I also think for homework, specifically for that, for concert stuff, I think it the focus should be on notes and rhythms, so that in class they can do the musicality stuff. Because that's my idea is that at that's home true. you need to work out do, the notes rhythm, yeah. so in class we can discuss how this all fits together in the musicality sense. I'm going to send out, uh, I, I think I'm actually going to do this, send out a survey to my kids. And it's completely anonymous. You know, I'm not going to look at your name or anything, but I want to know how often do you practice? And if it's not that often, why not? Is it you're not able to take your instrument home? Is it you don't have time? Is it you feel like you don't need to practice? Because I also feel like that there are a handful of my kids who are like, I, I don't need it, you know? I'm doing yeah. fine without it. And let, to be honest, they they do need it. <laughs> They're not doing that fine without it. Right. You know, and so I just want to kind of get into their heads a little bit and say, like, why aren't you practicing if you're not? Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. 
and then you're gonna yell at them. And right, and then I'm obviously going to betray their point. trust, look at their names, <laughs> call them out one by one, and go from Bring there. Bring them into your office. Right. No, I'm gonna do it in, in front of the rest of the class. <laughs> you don't practice at all. <laughs> and it shows. Okay, the last thing I want to talk to you about. This is something that happened to me at school today, JP. Okay. And I just have... I just, I'm still kind of trying to piece it all together. So, we're in the midst right now in South Carolina. For all of our national listeners out there, we're in the midst of... Um, of in the state legislature getting marching band counted as PE credit, right? Oh, yeah. And so yesterday there was a subcommittee meeting for the House of Representatives to put that bill so that it goes to a full committee, and then if it goes to the full committee, it goes to the representatives, and then if it passes that, then it goes to the governor, blah, blah, blah. So the PE teacher at my school went and spoke on behalf of the PE lobby about um, this bill. And when she spoke to the subcommittee, she quoted me as saying, I don't know the P... Let me back up. I was told by somebody who was told by somebody who I think was told by somebody who was there that she quoted me as saying that I don't know the PE standards, so I don't support this bill. This was in the subcommittee for education, JP, that I was quoted like this. Awkward. It is awkward, because then I got in a phone call today from a, a colleague. I'll try to leave names out of this. Again, so many listeners, we don't want to <laughs> air our laundry out like this, but I got to... <laughs> I got a phone call today from a colleague where he told me that and I had to address that situation and that was really weird for me because I'll say this, this is what I told her because we've had this conversation before and she's a really great PE teacher. She's a really great teacher. She does you know, a lot of good stuff and she really cares, I think, about students and everything. She's not as much about discretion. <laughs> well, well <laughs> I, we've talked about this bill a little bit before and it's just, you know, kind of come up a little bit because it just has. And so she told me that morning, like, oh, I'm going to speak on this subject. I said, oh, that's interesting, you know. And she was talking to me a little bit about it. And she mentioned, you know, like, all these PE standards. And I said, yeah, I don't really know them. And that's true. I don't know the PE standards. I don't teach PE. I don't think I'm expected to know the PE standards. Um, right. And I don't know the health standards, um, which she also teaches in our district. The PE teacher teaches health as well. And um, so I told her that. And I told her that I had some mixed feelings on the bill. And I do have mixed feelings on the bill. Uh I don't really know how I feel about it yet. And I haven't really worked it through yet. Because to be honest, I don't know how much this is going to affect me at Lancaster High School. We don't have a a marching band class right now. And so I don't really know how this And I just haven't done the research on it. And maybe I should. I don't know. But I said, yeah, I have some mixed feelings on it. And so... She brought me her PE binder, her her standards and everything that she's taught, and she brought that to me, and she was walking me through it, and I said, oh, I think, you know, we do this pretty well, we do this pretty well, I think, 
uh, this one, we, it's hard. You'd have to make a little bit of an argument. It's a bit of a stretch to say we do that. We kind of walked through the standards, and I told her how I felt about it. And then we got to the health standards, and I told her, yeah, I, that health stuff, I, I don't feel super comfortable teaching that. And so apparently that's what she told the subcommittee. But you, like Martin Dickey and Joe Gulledge, I sent an email to today, who are two yeah. pretty big. You know, Joe is the... yeah whatever immediate past president of vice president of scbd and and is essentially heading right this whole fight and martin dickey is the president of SEMEA, the band director at nation ford and i just had to be like i didn't say that i don't know exactly you know where the miscommunication was and i also told our pe teacher like like i said it kind of jokingly but i was like you know i don't want you to go referencing me today in your little address to the subcommittee and she said no i won't do that but then she did do that. It was just really strange. <laughs> and then she has, she has brought dishonor and shame <laughs> upon your family. Right, yeah. yeah. They enact revenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, my ancestors are very displeased with me right now. <laughs> um, it was just a really interesting thing that happened today that I was not planning on having to address. It was really strange. Yeah. Which, that, especially like, because, like, she is super nice and she is super good. And so, I don't know. It was just weird. And, like, I don't I don't necessarily know how I feel about the bill either. Because I, I feel like part of making it, like, part of allowing it to fulfill the PE credit is that it has to be available to everyone, you know? But marching band, by the nature of what it is, is not available to everyone. Um, and I think... I also think that a lot of schools do marching band as an extracurricular thing. So something you said earlier, maybe you say you don't have a marching band class. Does that mean that I have to have a marching band class and now it's got a curricular thing? Which, I mean, like, it kind of is in a sense because all of our kids who are in marching band are required to be in the in the band class. Right. Um, but I don't, we're, I don't know. We're not. Like, marching band at my school right now is, I mean, it's basically – we can talk about this some more later too, but it's basically marching band club, you know, yeah. and it's just not organized in a super way. So for me right now at this moment, marching band, if you're going to get P credit for marching band, it wouldn't really make much sense because there's not a class to anyways, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I know that a lot of people are pushing for that bill and that th- and I think that's great. I personally yeah, don't yeah, I do have a, stance the other thing and she has said this to me and again this is something i don't really know how i feel about but she she has admitted to me that p teachers have brought this upon themselves because if you look at most of the or a lot of p teachers in the state of south carolina and i would imagine you're from georgia and i would imagine it's kind of a nationwide thing a lot of p teachers um don't do a great job of teaching physical education it's a lot of go play basketball let's go walk around the track but you're not necessarily being educated physically and she does do that and so she'll say like p teachers have brought this upon ourselves and band directors now are looking at what bad pe teachers are doing and saying well we can do better than that and i think that's probably true i think marching band directors are like can do better than bad pe teachers but is that fixing the problem or is that just saying well may as well take advantage of this like would it be better to just say well 
or not better or worse or anything, but I think we also need to look at some PE teachers and say, like, you're not teaching very effectively. Let's fix that. Right. Why aren't PE teachers teaching? You know, why aren't they putting out kids who can perform basketball at a grade six level, you know? Right. Well, that's maybe they're worried about, you know, not getting this high score at a state basketball festival. <laughs> the SBA or the, the SBF. The SB, SBA. <laughs> SBF, yeah. <laughs> state basketball festival. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else? Well, uh, I I do not, actually. This has been fun. It has been fun. We need a title, JP. That's it. We, what is it? I, I don't know. I don't have a title. I don't know what we call it because... I don't know. And we can cut this later. Yep. Or I imagine you can. Nope. This but, is all... This is live. <laughs> coming at you live from <laughs> our bedrooms. <laughs> uh... I don't know, because I don't imagine we'll always talk about band things. Like, for a while there, we were talking about... What were we talking about? The gym. Yeah, we were talking about the gym for a while. Well, I don't know. I don't know either. But... Well, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Thanks so much for joining us on our first uh, inaugural episode here. This has been a blast. Uh, I would imagine I had a good time. I would imagine we'll try to do this again. Um, At some point. Subscribe? I don't know. Is that a thing? It depends where we put it. Where do we put this? You can find this podcast wherever you found this podcast. If you come up to me and ask me to listen to this podcast, you can listen to it that way. I have it on my laptop right now. And that's the only way to listen to this, actually. That's, just find me. I live in Rock Hill. If you come up and want to listen, do that. Old to give out your location. That's true. I'm going to edit that out, too. For zero digits of listeners so far. That's true. Yeah. It's not really that bold of a move yet. <laughs> um, okay. I'll talk to you next time, JP. So long. Bye.